Hello, hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode of Climbing with Coach Kaya. I am so excited for today's guest because I've never got to meet her in person or virtually, and I have been dying to have this conversation, and I'm so honored I get to share it with you. My guest today is Ra Goddess, and she is the entrepreneurial soul coach behind hundreds of breakthrough change makers, cultural visionaries, and social entrepreneurs. From multiple New York Times bestsellers to multi-million dollar social enterprises, Ra's unique methodology has empowered a new generation of conscious entrepreneurs to stay true, get paid, and do good. From the onset of her more than 30-year career as a cultural innovator, social impact strategist, and creative change agent, Ra has drawn on the power of creativity, culture, and community to move hearts, minds, and policy. Her work has focused on issues of racial justice and equality, electoral politics, offender aid and restoration, mental health, and youth and women's empowerment, and contributed to initiatives that have impacted millions of lives. Her work has been featured in Time Magazine, Miss Magazine, Variety, Essence, The Source, Red Book, Forbes, Fast Company, and the Chicago Tribune, among others. Y'all, just you wait for this conversation. Without further ado, let's dive on in. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. Welcome to the show, Ra. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much, Coach Kaya, for having me. It's my joy to be here, truly. Raw. Ever since I've discovered you, I have just been like, I'll just, I'll just own my stalkerness. Okay, I've been doing a deep <laughs> dive into the work that you do, and to be honest, I'm just like, I need raw energy in my life so much. So I'm so, so grateful to have you here with me today. Thank you. It's again my joy. The first thing I'd love to ask you, Ra, is, you know, I am just so fascinated by people's journeys and how they got to where they are today. And so I'd love for you just to bring me and my listeners up to speed. How did Ra become the New York Times bestselling author and impactful soul coach that she is today? So, I mean, you know, journeys are never a straight line. So I just want to say that, right? Because I think sometimes we think like, oh, you know, step one, step two, step three, step four. Um, it's all going to go seamless. It's all going to go as planned. And that was so not my reality. You know, I'd like to describe myself as a change of life baby born into mm. the intersection of civil rights and hip hop. My Ooh. parents had me when they were in their 40s. And, you know, I really grew up with this sensibility of education being really important, of community being incredibly important. And a family being really, really important. And, you know, my mother really sort of carried this ethos and this value system. Well, both my parents really, you know, that if you ever had any opportunity that you had a responsibility to make a way for other people. And so in whatever I did, even as a child, very much active in community because of who my parents were, was always conscious of any advantage came with responsibility. 
And I took that with me, you know, into college. And I went into a very science-driven, STEM-oriented pathway. You know, my, chem- my, my background's in chemistry and computer science. And I was a dual independent major and then went right into corporate. And, you know, I hit my head on the glass ceiling very quickly and really realized that that wasn't necessarily the place for me. But I will say that I've always been passionate about people. I've always been passionate about making a difference in the lives of other people. And I've always been passionate about issues of liberation and empowerment and autonomy. And so coming out of corporate and going into being then for many, many years, a a creative change agent, I like to call it, where I worked at the intersection of arts and social impact. I then had this kind of come to Jesus moment in the course of my work, recognizing that as much as I was down for the cause, that the cause wasn't sustainable (laughs) in its Mm -hmm. current iteration. Um, And in a come to Jesus moment, realized like, wow, I, you know, I I need to learn how to do this in a way that can be profitable, impactful and sustainable. And that's what I teach people to do now. So I don't know if that, (laughs) if people were able to follow all of the turns there, but you know, yeah, I still think that, that even in all of those other places I occupied, that it always was about liberation and supporting Mm -hmm. people and being empowered. That's been the through line of your life. The through line. Oh, I love that. I think it's, you know, just like what you said, there's no journey is a straight line. And I just think it's so easy to look at someone and see what they're doing and just make all these assumptions about the path that got them there. But I think it's so fascinating to see how every turn on our journey, it may not, it may not make sense at the time to really translate to where we are now, but all of it has served some purpose. Just like you said, it's always been about liberation, even when you were in corporate. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, and I I say this because I I encounter this every single day with my beloveds as well as, you know, when you're passionate about something, there can be so much fear. And I was Mm -hmm. definitely one of those people who, you know, spirit was touching me on the shoulder. And that's just how I speak about it, right? Love, creativity, Mm -hmm. the universe, whatever you want to call it, was touching me on the shoulder, kind of going, this is where you're supposed to be. And I was going, that's nice. I have no idea how to define that (laughs) or how to describe that, right? And this was many, many years before even the industry of coaching became as popular as it is now. But it was, you know, it was my willingness to finally kind of move through the fear and say, yes, that that kind of got me, got me to where I am now. Yeah. You know, I'd love to ask you in your own experience and maybe even with the clients that you serve, you know, I feel... As you talk about this like nudge of the spirit or, or again, however people want to, to define that or call it, maybe it's intuition, maybe it's something else, however people want to describe it. How I feel that I, I really resonate deeply with that and having that fear come up because I just feel like there's so many people I've talked to and I feel this myself where they feel called for more. They're not exactly sure what that more is, or they think that their dreams or that idea is crazy or, you know, too out of the box or unrealistic or doesn't make sense for them. How do we learn to trust those nudges or step into fear or feel confident in making those moves? Yeah, I think it's about practice. I think it's about being willing to begin to lean in and honor the fact that our ideas come to us because they want life. You know, to think about that everything that comes to you comes to you because it wants life through you. And it is a choice about whether you honor it or you don't honor it. But I firmly believe in part of why 
I'm here is, is to say that when we do honor those nudges, we ultimately get a better world. Mm -hmm. People are living in their passion and people are living in their purpose and people are doing things that are meaningful to them that we just get a better world. Like I just believe that. And I think that part of what we grapple with is that we've been conditioned to believe that we have to trade. We've been conditioned to believe that certain people get to have it and we don't get to have it. Or we've been conditioned to believe that you have to be all these things in order to succeed. And I think our work as coaches, right, is to help challenge some of that and to invite and give people permission and a safe space to challenge some of those ideas uh, in the name of their own empowerment, in the name of the vision that they have for the lives that they want to lead and the things that they want to be doing in the world. You know, it's so interesting hearing you talk about the conditioning because I feel like lately as an entrepreneur myself, and even just as a person, I feel like I've been on this deconditioning journey and really questioning the things that I feel are true and asking myself if they are true or they just have been something I've been told for a long time so they feel that way. There is this quote that you said in your book, and it's cultivate a new definition for success, one that includes more money, more joy, and less struggle. And I feel like I needed to read that today, Ra, because one of the um, beliefs, the deep-rooted beliefs that I have that I'm really trying to unpack and decondition myself from is this belief that success has to be hard. Yeah. It has to be a struggle. And I don't know if it's if it's that idea growing up on a ranch where hard work gets rewarded, but I've noticed this sensation of I need to struggle more in order to achieve more and get more monetarily or whatever that looks like. I'd love for you to talk to me about this new definition of success. Yeah. So I think this, you know, I start I started talking about this idea of the trade, you know, and this whole notion that if if you want to have something that's really important to you or you want to be successful, that you have to trade in ways that are painful. And I want to make that distinction, right? Because we all will make choices and we all will prioritize certain things over other things. And that's just a natural part of life and being in the world. But the, the, the trading that I'm talking about is that painful trading where you believe you have to work yourself to the bone, where you believe that you don't get to have a social life, where you believe maybe that you have to give up being as present for your children as you want to be, or you believe that you can't be a nice person, right? All of the things that we get told or you can't operate with integrity or morals or values. And I think that this new definition of success, and I, and I do talk about this in my book, The Calling, is about alignment, is about alignment. Mm. And that alignment is about really being trued up to what is your vision, right? Which is really about what you value, right? Mm -hmm. What is your mission, which is really about what you're here to offer and bring to the world. And then what is your purpose, which is about the thing that you want to change or transform or affect in the world as a result of sharing your talents and gifts, right? I wrote the book, The Calling, in response to what were the three most common questions I got that really stood in the way of people either saying yes or no to their passion, right? And it's related to this new definition of success. So the first question is, who am I? Who am I to want this? 
Who am I to be doing this? Who am I to think that I can, right? Who am I to believe that people will lean in or follow me or support me? So it always began with this relationship we've had with ourselves and our self-perception. And so the first section of the book, I talk all about this idea of who are you to you and that the foundation of our new definition for success has actually got to begin with the primary relationship we're having, which some people would argue is the only relationship we're having, which is the relationship that we're having with ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So I talk a lot about, are we open to and willing to recreating our relationship with ourselves in such a way that we're really taking back our power to create what we want, what we want to mm-hmm. have, who we want to be, right? What is important to us? What does matter? The second question. I would get all the time. And I would say it's probably the number one reason why people don't move in alignment with their passion is the, how am I going to pay the rent question? Yeah. Right. That money and our relationship with money and our beliefs about money often dictate and govern the choices we make about how we spend our life. And I say this, and, and I think it's interesting, right, Kaya? Because I think if I say it that way, people go, oh, I don't know about that, right? But then if I say, okay, how many decisions have you made in the last 24 hours where you said no to yourself because you've told yourself that you can't afford it? You told mm-hmm, yourself so that good. the resources will not be available, right? Mm-hmm. You've told yourself, or, or you've said, I've, and, and, and I do want to say this because I think the assumption, Kaya, sometimes is that that these are only conversations for people who don't have money. But my experience is I know people who've got lots and lots of money who are also struggling with these very same conversations. And our opportunity in creating and cultivating a new definition for success has everything to do with being willing to also look at our relationship to source, however we define that. And if we're in a relationship with source that says there's not enough versus being in a relationship with source that says, I can have everything I need to really support the vision I have for how I want to live, how I want to love, and how I want to lead. So the whole second section of the book is devoted to that, right? What I want to say and invite us to notice that in this first question, it's about a reimagining of our relationship with ourselves. And the second question, it's about a reimagining of our relationship with source. So money is one expression of source. Time is another expression of source, right? Acknowledgement and recognition is another expression of source. And we experience scarcity in all of those areas. So in the first question, what we're working through is really moving from victim division. Like, who am I? All these things have happened to me, right? I'm living by default. I'm living at the mercy of my circumstances or situations to actually know I'm in the driver's seat and I have a vision for me, for who I want to be and for the life I want to live. In the second journey, right? The second section of the book, which is all about getting paid, we make the journey from scarcity to abundance. And that's all about recognizing and realizing that source is everywhere. And 
when we create a new relationship, when we define what's important to us, what we value, and we begin to operate and walk in harmony with what we value, all of a sudden we begin to magnetize and attract and draw to us the kinds of opportunities that support our ability to sustain our vision and our mission and our work. The third question, and this in my mind is like the most vulnerable one, is can I really matter? Ooh, tell me more. Yeah, can little old me really make a difference? I believe that contribution is a human need. I believe that we are designed mm. to contribute, that all we really want to do, when we really get to the heart of it with people, all we really want to do is give. And we want to know that we're giving in a way that matters. In other words, we don't want to give in vain. We don't want to work in vain. We don't want to love in vain, right? We want to feel a sense of viability. We want to feel a sense of aliveness and a sense of fulfillment in the way in which we contribute. And so the third section of the book is all about how you find your unique path of contribution in the world. So not just what is good work, but what is your work? Because I believe so that when you put your hands on your work, magic, there's nothing like it in the world. Like there's nothing like you in the world. And there's nothing like you in the world being who you really are, doing what it is that you're here to do. And so that for me is the, that's that true paid good alignment, that new formula for success. I love that. And, and you kind of talk about these as your like three fundamental commitments. Stay true get paid and do good. And I think the way you break it down is so fascinating. It makes so much sense to me because I think sometimes we muddy them up. I feel like sometimes we feel like in order to do good things, we shouldn't be getting paid for them in return. Yeah. And I'm like, there is nothing that source wants more for you than to be well endowed and cared for, especially if you're doing good. When you're doing good in the world, you're doing the most important and valuable work that there is. Why would you not be sustained, right? Hey friend, thank you so much for tuning in. It is so special to have you here. But I wanted to ask you a quick question. Do you like hearing from me? Not just in this way on the podcast, but what would you think about getting a little bit of sunshine into your inbox every Wednesday morning? That's exactly what I send to everybody that has signed up for my email list. Every Wednesday, I let you know what the new podcast is that's dropping. I also give you free resources, books I'm reading, quotes I'm loving, recommendations, and just whatever thoughts are stewing in my brain. And I'd love to have you hang out with me over there. You can click the link below to sign up for my email list, and I would love to see you in your inbox. I think thinking back to that stay true the first part of your book, the question where we reimagine our relationship with ourselves. I work with a lot of women who are in this, in this place. And I think what I hear often, and I'm curious about what you kind of encounter with the people you work with is I think so many people get caught up in the labels and definitions that they've got for themselves over the years or losing themselves in the roles that they play. So there's a lot of women I work with who are maybe 
empty nesting for the first time and they're grappling with, who am I if I'm not a mother? Or maybe someone who gets laid off from a job or has to transition careers or move, who am I if I'm not this? And it kind of leaves them in this place of, wait a second, do I even know who I am at all? And I feel like sometimes for so many people, that is the hardest place of discovery is figuring out what is actually me versus what have I been doing or taught to do in order to fit in society and look and act a certain way? And I'm curious, what is a way for us to kind of begin that journey of finding out who we are separate from the roles that we play? Yeah, I think it's, you know, and and, and again, there's a, a an aspect in the book in chapter four where I talk about your true nature. And this is what you're raising, which is the essences, the qualities of who we are, the things that we come in with that are not tied to any of our roles. I think it's a very powerful question for us to ask. I think sometimes what we do is we go, well, who am I if I'm not a mother? And because we don't immediately have an answer, there's angst, there's yeah. anxiety, there's stress. Like I'm having a crisis. <laughs> it's cri- exactly, there's crisis. As opposed to like a real exploration, like, well, who was I before I was a mother? Mm-hmm. Well, who, you know, what are the things that I naturally bring to any environment, no matter what I'm doing? There are these qualities, these essences that live in the center of our being, you know, like curiosity, like creativity, like joy, like love. And again, our ability to start to sort of touch in a very explicit way, that part of us, that soul of us, is the beginning to inviting a world of opportunities and possibilities. I think this opportunity to explore our true nature is also about the next level of Mm self-recognition, self-actualization, and self-love. Yes, so good. And I think in my opinion, I feel like this is, that's the hardest part. It's, it's the hardest part to, to reconnect with ourselves and unpack, unpack these things. And I think the hardest part too is to realize that that journey, and this is my opinion, is not something that we arrive at. It's something we have to commit to every single day. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And, you know, there's an exercise that I take our leaders through in the work that's rooted in this conversation of your true nature where, you know, they map what they think their qualities or their essences are. And then I asked them to go back and I asked them to rate on a scale of zero to 10, how expressed is each one of these aspects of you? And they're Mm. kind of shocked, you know, for some people, they find like there are certain things, particularly related to their work where there are nine or 10 but they find that there are other things that are related to their passion that are more like a two or three. That's an interesting experience. I had one woman in a workshop where we did the exercise and she got done with all the qualities. And I asked the room to take a look at the qualities and to really hone in on, do you feel like these are you? Before you start to rate them, do you feel like these are you? And this particular woman paused. And what she shared in a conversation with her partner was that she had put down the qualities that she had been told were what she needed to be in order to succeed. Mm. 
And though she could feel in a moment really proud that they were rated really high because she was incredibly successful in her career, what she started to recognize was that none of the qualities that she put down did she feel represented the real her. Mm. And she's like, I need to, I need a new sheet of paper. I got to do this all over again, you know? So it can seem like a very simple exercise and very quick, but I would say that for some of us, those true aspects of who we are take a little bit, is what you're saying, take a little bit to get to and take a little bit to sort of even own. Like, wow, like this is me, even if I haven't been drawing or painting or writing, that I am this quality. I am this essence. You know, Ra, I'm getting ready to go and wipe off the whiteboard that's sitting behind me and do this activity myself. (laughs) Just because I think that that would be so impactful. And, you know, it's it's so interesting. I shared with you before we started um, recording the call how I feel like I have been on my own entrepreneurial discovery journey this last year. And I feel like I had this realization and this came to me after a, I would say in 2022, I went through a very long season of burnout. And I don't think I knew what it was at the time. I was just kind of operating and I've recently given myself permission to pause and really get curious about what I've created and what I want to continue to create. Because at the end of the day, I was like, what is happening? I am my own boss, which means I have chosen this, which means I also get to choose something different. And I think something I discovered, you know, as you talk about our true essence, I think that the way that I was acting in my career and in my job was I was trying to embody an essence that I thought I needed to be successful based on what I was seeing and hearing around me. And I'm curious if you have any any insights on how we as, as humans, as entrepreneurs, how we can navigate a very noisy world. Right. Mm-hmm. And I and I think we are surrounded and inundated, whether it be through social media or, or podcasts or books or or whoever we follow. And, you know, I would say that I've I've curated a a space of people that I follow that are very inspiring and motivating. And I learn a lot, but I feel like it's so easy, even amidst that goodness, to get caught up in the noise of what I quote unquote should be doing as an entrepreneur. And I think somehow this last year. I maybe lost myself in it. Yeah. So common. It's so common. And to look outside for validation, for affirmation, for direction and guidance about who we are, how we're supposed to be. And we've got tons of messages every day, all day telling us, right? So there's not unnatural that we would feel that way. I think the ability to get quiet, and dare I even say the courage to pull back, you know? So I have a particular practice for myself where I, f- I spend very little time on social media. I create I content. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fortunate in that I do have a team that supports. I create content, but I don't spend a significant amount of time consuming and, and to your point, I think what we consume, being very mindful about kind of who we're letting in, because we are, just as we are creative, we are influential and we have to own that. But we also have to develop ways in which we can get quiet with ourselves and mm-hmm. actually tap into what resonates for us and what maybe doesn't resonate for us. 
there are some people that I look at and I certainly admire certain qualities and attributes that they have. And I go, oh, that's incredible. You know, that's something I want to cultivate. But that's different than, oh, I have to be that person or like that person in order to succeed, right? And I think that as coaches, we have a responsibility on twofold. One is we have a responsibility to walk our own path. Not easy. Not easy. (laughs) By any means. Coaches need coaches, that's for sure. (laughs) 100%. Daily practice, right, is constantly going. And I do this, you all, in my journal every morning. I ask God, like, okay, direction, guidance, what, what is for me? What is not for me? This morning in a meditation, spirit was like, not for you. Let go. <laughs> and it was something that I had been very, very attached to. Yes. Right. And I finished my journal, I close it and I walk away. And I'm, you know, again, trying to figure out how I can. And spirit comes and does this <laughs> and goes, <laughs> let go. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this to you all to have compassion for yourself if this is what's showing up for you. Time and space, getting to know you. Time and space, building a relationship with your body and your mind and your spirit so that when you start to consider what direction you want to go in or when you start to consider how you show up, you get to ask your body and your spirit, does this resonate for me? Does this resonate for me? Or does this feel foreign to me? Mm-hmm. I'm mindful of our time, but I want to give a quick distinction here because I think it's important. There are things that resonate to us and resonate for us and that are true for us that we are afraid to do because they may be different than the status quo, because maybe we've never done them before, because maybe success in our reality is not guaranteed. We want to lean into those things. But there are other things that we do because we want to belong because we want to be loved, because we want to be acknowledged, because we want to be appreciated, but they don't really honor our spirit. And so our ability to develop an inner compass that energetically enables us to know what is on and what is off is going to be part of the work here as you start to lean into what is your true nature. When you're in your true nature, it should be easy, You should feel happy. It should feel organic and natural to you. When you're out of your true nature, it's going to feel yucky. You may second, triple, and quadruple guess yourself. You may feel the desire to want to break free or get out. Those are things that should tell you that something's not in alignment. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I have written, I've had this written on my whiteboard for the past few months now, but one day after an entrepreneurial breakdown, I wrote these three things on my whiteboard. It says, let it be easy, do less, and have fun. And I feel like that goes in line so much with what you just said. And I I just want to point out one of the things you said earlier because it really stood out to me. You said, it takes courage to pull back. And I love that because I think what happens so often is with these seasons of burnout, the reasons we burn out is because we aren't listening. We aren't taking time to be still and quiet with ourselves because there, our body is telling us there are lots of signals, but we aren't quiet enough to listen. And I think so often we get caught up in this hamster wheel of, well, I'm already doing the thing. I can't quit now until the hamster wheel flies us out, out of the hamster wheel and it's a mess. And so 
Um, I loved what you said about the courage to pull back because I have definitely pulled back in a lot of things in my business and that scared the crap out of me raw. (laughs) It did. But I'm trying to trust that every, just like there are seasons of the year, I think there are seasons in business. And I feel like I'm in this wintering season where I need to pull back and rest and be quiet and tune back into that intuition, that inner compass that you're talking about. And that felt so scary, but I am feeling myself coming back to me and it has absolutely been worth that. Yeah. I I mean, just amen, Ashe. And thank you for being willing to do that. We talk a lot about burnout right now. And I think burnout is caused by a few things. I think one definitely is not listening. I think two is resisting the call. I was recently in a session with one of my beloved mentors. I brought her in to work with some of my women uh, Barbara Houston, who I love. Shout out Barbara Houston and her work around sacred success. And she describes burnout as the call to greatness, right? In other words, that when you, when you hit that place where you, you just can't do it anymore, that your job is to pause, is to stop, is to get quiet, is to get still because something else is brewing. And I believe that the fatigue we feel is our resist, like we fight the things that we want. And sometimes we know what it is. And sometimes we don't know what it, like we know what it is and we're running from it. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. we are blocking it out. We don't even want to hear it because yeah. we feel so overwhelmed by everybody else's agenda. One of the things that I get asked all the time is about like, so what is the biggest sort of enemy to our success? You know, people say, oh, you know, I'm my own worst enemy. And I I actually speak it a little bit differently because I actually believe that we are our greatest asset, right? And can be our best, our greatest friend if we, if we allow. But I actually think our greatest enemy is distraction. Ooh, ooh, I feel that one. Tell me more. All of us by the nature just of the way that our society is structured, are driven to distraction. And our attention can be so easily pulled from the things that matter. And so we have to develop the courage and the fortitude. And the fortitude, y'all, comes from practice to continuously ask ourselves, what's really important here? What really matters here? What is the highest and best use of me here? And we might be shocked to find that more often than not, the call is actually to do nothing. In all of the places where we're busybodying, we're going to sort our brother out. We're going to get our niece straight, (laughs) right? (laughs) Now, this doesn't mean you all that we don't care for our families. Don't get me wrong. But when we take on responsibility for other people's lives, or we take on responsibility for other people's happiness, or we take on responsibility for other people's standards, other people's hopes and visions and dreams for us, we get distracted. So true. I think sometimes we we use it as a distraction because we're so afraid of what's meant for us, that it's easier to to focus on other people's lives. Ooh, that's so good. That's so good. And I think the more distracted you are, the more important the thing is that you're running from. Ooh, say that one more time. The more distracted you are, the more important the thing is that you're running from. 
Y'all, I think that we all need to just sit with that line here for a second because just know raw tomorrow morning, I'm going to be journaling that, that line because of, because you said that, that is so good. That is a lot to think about. Um, raw, you wrote the book, the calling, and I just, I'm, I'm going to put this out into the universe. I've shared it on here a few times, but I do believe in, um, speaking your dreams out loud. I am an aspiring writer myself. And one of the dreams that I write in my journal daily, one of my top three dreams is that I am a New York Times bestselling author. And um, I'll be honest, I uh, I know that you are friends with Gabby Bernstein. I um, bought her her course actually, and it has been sitting in my digital graveyard. I have not do- dove into it yet. She has a, a course helping writers um, write their first book. And this next year, I've decided it's going to be one of my my main focus is just is to start that journey because I've been running away from it a little bit, I think. So as a as an author yourself, do you have any words of wisdom to share with me as I embark on that writing journey? Yeah. Keep showing up for the idea. Ooh. Keep showing up for the idea. You know, I keep saying practice. I want to keep coming back. It is a practice. It is a practice. It is a practice. It is a practice. When I was writing my book, there would be days where I would put in, you all know how this is, I'd block in my calendar time to write, uh-huh. right? Totally not setting myself up for success. I would block times of the day when I knew I was exhausted. I'm a morning person. So my best time to write would be morning, but for some people, maybe it's evening or midday, right? So one is like to, to notice what happens there. But in those times when I would block I, I, and, I, and I was missing, I was like, I got to break this down. I got to make this more accessible. So I would say to myself, okay, your first goal is to just get up off the couch, just stand up. And I would say, okay, stand up, right? Your second goal is to walk over to your chair. I was like, I can do that. Walk over to the chair. Your third goal is to just cut your laptop on, just cut it on, right? And I mean, literally you all, Every like like I want you to see that these are all micro decisions, micro moves that take us to what we want to do. And then finally, it would be like, okay, now open up a document. Open up, and that was type one word, just one word. And I was like, okay, now let's go for one phrase. Okay, now let's go for one sentence, right? And literally, step by step by step. That was the practice, right? To just continue to try to get myself to show up and to build the muscle of showing up. Some days, you all, you're going to stare at the computer for that hour. Other days, it's going to pour. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. what you want to learn how to do, and, and, I, and, and I love this, and that Stephen Pressfield talks about this in The War of Art. What you want to do is create the practice so that the muse can show up, so that the spirit or the source can show up, so that the divine mm-hmm. inspiration can show up, right? So it's about making the time. It's about committing to the practice. It's about knowing that some sessions are going to be better than others. <laughs> yes, yes. But if you keep showing up no matter what, you will be surprised that when you're done, you will have a manuscript. Thank you. I so, so appreciate that. I 
It's going to happen. I'm going to write a book. I do feel it. I feel called to this, Sarah. I feel really called. And I'm learning to listen to those callings. One of the questions that I ask all my guests on the show, this show is called Climbing with Coach Kaya, because I think that our life journey is like a mountain, but not just a mountain, like a series of mountain ranges with lots of peaks and lots of valleys. And once you get to the top of one mountain, there's more to climb. I'm curious right now in your life, what is a mountain that you're currently climbing? Mm, I love that question. I am working on my second book right now. Ooh. And my second book is, is a book about ambition and the way that I believe ambition has shifted for us, especially given the last three years. Mm-hmm. And that is a mountain. It is a big book. <laughs> And so I'm having to institute my practice, right? Yes. Um, The other thing I will say, because I would be remiss to not say this, Kaya, both for the book and and in general, having structures for support, having a coach, working with an editor, if you're able to do it, or even just an accountability buddy makes all the difference when you're showing up for things that are really important and that you really, really value. Right. So I will say that. And then the other thing I'll say about even what I'm experiencing in the context of the book, because you all, you all know, we, we write what we're living. We write what we're grappling with. We write what we're, what we're working through as I'm resetting my own ambition is learning how to embrace the next level of permission to just be me. Mm, That is good. That is so good. I needed I needed to hear that today too. Ra, you were meant to be on this this show with me today because I needed this conversation. <laughs> um, Ra, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you today. And I'm so, so excited for the opportunity to be able to share your wisdom with my audience. I would love for you to share how people can get more raw goddess in their lives. Where can they find you, connect with you about the book, all the things? Yes. So we are gonna put the link to my book page, it will be movethecrowd.me backslash the calling. And I want you to go to the site. Yes, purchase the book if you feel called, but I want you to go to the site because I've got tons and tons and tons of free resources. So literally you can go in and you can download a kit of tip sheets and workbook sheets and questions and that are all rooted in all of the things that we've been talking about today. And Those are just my gift for you. They're companions to the book and I want you to have them. And, you know, and if you feel called and you want additional support, there's the calling community and you can reach out to us and find out more about that. But for now, if you feel called to the book and you want the resources associated with the book, please go to movethecrowd.me backslash the calling and get your, get your goodies, get your goodies. And, and know that the book is designed to be a blueprint a step-by-step. Like I didn't write it just because I wanted you all to go, oh, that's a great idea. Now, how do I do it? (laughs) I wanted you to go, that's a great chapter. Now let me follow the steps. (laughs) Yes, I love that. Right. Uh, I want you to have not just the ideology, but the practicum. The practicum is so important. What we practice is what makes possible. Practice makes possible any and everything that we want. And so I want you all to practice whatever your heart desires, because then it will be yours. Mm, I love that. 
Friends, we will have all of that linked down in the show notes. You can check out those amazing resources and grab a copy of The Calling for Yourself. Ra, thank you again so, so much for being here today. It has been such a joy having you on the show. Kaya, thank you so much for your brilliance. Thank you for your work. And I cannot wait to see what this next season brings for you. I just want to affirm your wisdom of being still and allowing yourself to come into this next incarnation. And I just know that your beloveds are going to be so well served because you took that time. So just thank you from my heart to yours for answering that call. And, uh, and I can't wait, can't wait to see what the next season brings. Oh, thank you. And likewise, and thank you, sweet listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. We'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.